You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. I'm outside after their festival talk. All I are badges in their protest wall. Hello, America. Welcome to Free Speech, a video podcast starring me and some of the top people in the world. Today, we're with a very, very close friend of mine, Tommy Shiloh. Tim? Tim Sherrod. You're pretending you don't know. It's Shalou. Shalou. Uh, just to be clear to the folks at home, this is a comedy internet podcast, so there's going to be fun stuff like mispronouncing a friend's name. <laughs> and don't be surprised when that happens. Just go along for the ride and... Just say to yourself, this is wild, this is wacky, mm-hmm. and this is wonderful. Are podcasts too long, do you think? Uh, I'm glad you asked that, Tom. They're all long. They are long, but the reason I justify mine being long yeah. is because I want to get to the bottom of things. Uh-huh. So I'm not just going to be going through your Wikipedia page or you know some bio about you and saying, what was it like doing that movie? Right. I want to solve problems on this show. So to answer your question, all other podcasts are too long, but this one is the perfect length. Well, I, it just shows you that people, uh, people who listen to podcasts do, they have a lot of patience because they go and, uh, you know, they have a long time to, to listen to these. They, they're very popular podcasts. They're like an hour. Some of them are like two and three hours long, and people download them and listen to them. I see them as what you listen to when you go to work. So most right. commutes are an half hour, an hour. Yeah. You listen to the first half on the way to work, and that's a little treat. Okay. Second half on the way home. I only give it one listen. That's why I'm, I'm constantly... I get about 25 minutes, and I'm like, all right, that's enough of that. Huh. Yeah. And you turned me on to a good podcast recently. What's it called? This is Criminal? Criminal. And it, 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 you know what I like about that? They're like 17 minutes long. Yeah. That's why I love it. It's it's a nice story. It's well done. They they edited it down. It's it, you know, it's nice. Criminal, the podcast. Well, if this was if Criminal was our show, right. we would solve the crime. <laughs> yeah. In that episode. Sometimes they do. But uh we're going to solve something. I know that. Well, we're first we're going to solve political correctness. Oh boy. I was reading last night about uh the ombudsman for NPR. He was uh he was talking he was saying goodbye. But he was also saying that he was defending political correctness. He was the only thing he regretted about his tenure at NPR was uh, the guests were not diverse enough. They were too northeastern and too white and too male. <laughs> and then he said, "Words matter. Political correctness, blah blah blah." That's sort of their mantra, by the way. They have to make words into weapons in order to justify banning them. Yeah. And then he stopped. He stopped his paragraph had an entire paragraph that just said, I am not Charlie. And then went back to his work <laughs> trashing free speech. Well, I, I guess I probably agree with him on that because I think there's a lot of people who are not Charlie. But what did he mean by that? Why was he saying I'm not Charlie? He was, well, the subtext with I am not Charlie is I don't defend that magazine. Uh, they shouldn't have put out those cartoons. And there's an inkling of... You got what you asked for. Uh-huh. They're not justifying bloodshed. No one, only sociopaths would do that. But there's a little bit of, you walk around Harlem screaming the N-word, don't get surprised if you get shot. Uh-huh. And uh, so, but would you say that that, you know, that that's, you say you would, you find that uh, objectionable? Yes. Okay. I mean, I find it, I guess I just find it, you know, uh, what's the, the, the British comedian's name? Uh, the guy with the long hair. 
uh, you know. Uh, uh, Daniel Tipton, what's his name? No, no, the guy who uh, pontificates from his bedroom. And, oh, uh, Russell Brand. Russell Brand said something similar this week, and then Gutfeld on Fox News called him out, and then they had a bit of war of words. And I haven't had a chance to speak to Greg about it, but, you know, when I looked at what uh, Russell Brand said, um, I, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I, 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 oh, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Russell Brand. He had a fight with Russell Brand a week before that, but this was um, Allison Al- Manson. Marilyn uh, Manson. Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson said— Allison Manson is uh, Charles Manson's baby sister. She's a real estate broker yeah. from Ohio. And Marilyn Manson said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, those guys were idiots. You know, he said, in his opinion, those guys were idiots because, yeah, they were probably going to, you know, they, they, they were probably, he didn't say they were asking for it, but he said something that could be seen as they were asking for it. And Gutfeld said, oh, you, you stink and whatever. And then I looked at what Marilyn Manson said and I said, you know, I, I can't disagree with the guy. He, he's right. Those guys knew what they were doing. It's not to say you condemn them for it, but yes, they were being purposefully, uh, they were trolling the, the Muslim extremists, if you will. I mean, well, they were trolling everyone, trolling everyone, and they've done that since time. Uh, what's the expression? Immemorial. Immemorial. Yeah. And that tradition, a lot of Americans don't know that it's an integral part of French culture that goes back to Napoleon. Mm-hmm. They I, were the first cartoonists. Yeah. And they've been lampooning authority via cartoons forever. Yeah. But I, I think that you could say without, you, you know, you could say without judgment, you could kind of empirically look at the evidence and say, yeah, they were they were putting themselves in harm's way, uh, you know, purposefully. Yes. Yeah. They so, knew that. I so, mean, but one the editor, say the that guy, without... the little shrimpy guy you see holding the glasses, he knew that that he was risking his life. His his wife begged him to leave the country, his mm-hmm. girlfriend, whatever she was, begged him to leave the country. He refused. Now, the only thing I'll concede is they should have had guns. They should have had armed guards. Yeah. But you can't stop lampooning just because a sensitive group has arisen. Yeah. I mean, I I think I agree with that. But, you know, you can say, like this guy at NPR, he is a word police guy. So why wouldn't he be consistent and say that I think those guys are jerks? You know, like he doesn't like them because they're being insensitive to to people. Yep. He doesn't like anyone because he lives by this rule. You know, they have this rule that words matter. And so if words matter, if what they're saying is true, then they have to be. Like at least that guy's consistent. Right. Everyone He's else consistent in like, with the PC left, but that's not your job as an ombudsman. Like even the the ombudsman for the New York Times said, We're a bit rich. Yeah. With the liberal stuff. Our, we have a bias going on here. That's your job. You're supposed to be Totally unbiased. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, NPR, everyone over there knows wh- what they are. I mean, they <laughs> they poke fun of themselves all the time. You know, they'll when they'll be doing an interview, they'll say, well, this is NPR. Like, they know what they are. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't think that anyone over there, I mean, I guess they have to pretend that they're objective, but they all know what they're doing. You know, when they show up for work, there's it's all... It's all liberal over there, all of them. Okay, well, then the ombudsman should quit. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, you can't have that job at that place. They're very uh, old-looking and uh, uncharismatic. Do you think they're doing that on purpose? 
Uh, I think, yes, I think that they have, because it, it, there's something about it where they, they say, well, we're different. We don't like to, uh, you know, Patton Oswald had a funny bit some years ago about how, you know, because he is liberal. And he was saying, why do we have NPR? What happened? Why is why does the right wing have rock and roll bumpers? You know, it was like, welcome to Sean Hannity. <laughs> and then you turn on NPR and it's like, plunk, 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 plunk. like, it's so boring, you know. And he's like, why aren't we the rock and roll ones? He couldn't understand it, you know. Yeah, uh, I know why. <laughs> why? Because NPR is getting funding yes. from people, who, and if you're going to be rich enough to donate to a broadcaster, you're going to be in your 70s. Yes. And 70-year-olds don't want to give money to a place that is hurting their eardrums with that <laughs> damned rock and roll. <laughs> which is, yes, <laughs> which is why every, every uh, not, uh, not as much NPR, but every uh, public broadcasting TV station, when it comes to, to fundraising week, they'll show this Lawrence Welk uh, a week of Lawrence Welk, and then they interview the the Lawrence Welk people who look amazingly well kept after all these years. You know, they still have the wonderful blonde hair, <laughs> yeah, and they're you yeah. know they they look great. The teeth are great and everything. And so they do this whole Lawrence Welk weekend, and people have these wonderful memories. And people come on and say, "Isn't it wonderful?" You know, the people we grew up with, and when when Lawrence Welk played the the hits, <laughs> the and, bubbles. Yeah, and I'm watching this. I'm thinking like, "Oh, now I get it. Now I know why they have." Uh, Lawrence Welk on because it's a great way to separate these old ladies from their fortunes. You know, they're sitting at home and they have no no one around. The, right. the rest of the family has died. And they grew up during the Great Depression, so they have distrust for brokers. Or so it's in a yes. savings account. No, yes. And it's it, getting 4% waiting, yeah, <laughs> waiting to be spent. And then they, you know, they spend a week with 1%. Lawrence Welk right. and they think, you know, I love I love New Jersey public television. They're just, you know, they're doing such a great service. And then they just empty the bank account. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my broker told me about some old lady in New York who left $20 million uh, to her kids in a savings account. That's all she had. And uh, the modern equivalent of a mattress. And Obama gets 50% of that, uh, the death tax, right? Yeah, to spend on his own. He goes, he takes his kids to a diner with it. That's yes. 10 million. But then those kids have to declare it as income, so they get taxed again. So yes. now it's down to five. The government walks away with 15. It would well, be better lit on fire. Well, that's why when people talk about this double, you know, the double taxation and the the estate tax, I have people talk to me, but they say, oh, look at the estate tax. This is like right-wing terminology. The estate tax. Uh, it's not an estate tax, uh, you know. Uh, or no, they say it's not a death tax. That's what they say. You know, they want to call it an estate tax. We want to call it a death tax. And uh, we, so you're admitting you're a Republican. Well, I'm, in terms of fiscal stuff, I'm as far right as you, as they go. You know, I, I, I fall in with the, with the, uh, with the anti-tax people, right? Because yeah, I, obviously, I think that uh, it's uh, it's not good to. Would you ever consider driving a plane into a, an IRS building? No, no, no. I'm I'm against all those. Uh, t oh, that, there was a guy who did that. You're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's bad. Uh, but the um, uh, sorry, I cut you off. You were talking about death tax. People say it's not a death tax; it's an estate tax. That uh, well, and, and then when you but when you really look at it, of course it is. Well, you are definitely. I think there should be no taxes. On any people worry about, oh, look at the, uh, the, they should increase the tax on the capital gains tax. There shouldn't be a capital gains tax at all. Why is there any capital gains tax? It's your money. It's already been taxed. Yeah. So you earn your money and then you save it and then they want to take more of it. it. It should be zero. You know, young people are listening to this dying of boredom because yeah. they think tax is irrelevant because they don't pay it. Right. And then you get old and you have kids. And it becomes the most fascinating topic in the world. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm, I can talk about it endlessly, but you're, you're right. There are people who are disinterested. Uh, 
maybe the this is the last thing we're going to say about tax. Uh, maybe they the government is thinking we have to punish people who put in a savings account because I want it floating around in the economy. So let's get them to fucking spend it on real estate or some shit. Yes. Because if we don't incentivize it, then they're just going to let it rot there, and then it doesn't stimulate the economy. Yes, I guess that's uh, that's what they think. But obviously, people, you know, even when you save money, it, eventually you have to spend it. Eventually, it must be spent. Yes. So that that's the answer. Well, did to you that. read about that woman in the Post who's leaving? Uh, f- I think four million dollars to her dog. <laughs> I mean, he's going to have his own apartment. He's going to have caretakers making him chicken and couscous every night. Well, that's the thing is that that money will be, it really will be spent. Because if you leave it to a dog, you know you're essentially leaving it to a a gay man, right? Because (laughs) a gay man is going to be the executor of the dog's estate, no question. And he's going to, he's going to spend it on all sorts. They're great at spending money. Exactly. (laughs) And they're good at, you know what? It might be kind of well spent. I mean. Oh, definitely. He's not going to get a Louis Vuitton table. No. He's gonna. He knows a contractor, and they're gonna have this beautiful tile done uh, in the living room. Mm-hmm. Tile across a middle band across the living room. Dogs uh, enjoy eating, uh, knowing territory, but they also enjoy very much fornicating. Uh, oh, if dogs. this like dogs, if this will is to make the dog happy, there should be some sort of at least a pocket pussy or some sort of. Uh, Device where the dog could that the dog can make love to. Um, all right, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I, yeah, I'll get on it. Okay, uh, other important uh agenda item today. Uh, there's a school I was reading about, uh, University of Michigan, and they have spent sixteen thousand dollars on this uh, words matter campaign. 16000 that's not that much, right? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think they have a lot of money, but 16000 uh is just really a bunch of posters. Yeah, that'll... Banners. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really interesting what, uh, oops, what they consider um, to be out of bounds. Yeah, they're banned. Okay, there are words that are banned, right? Yes. I think gay is banned, isn't it? Yes, especially uh, that's so gay. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, that test raped me. There's only uh, six phrases listed uh, on their site. I want to die, because that hurts uh, suicide victims' feelings, mm-hmm. including ones who've committed suicide, so they're dead. Even I want to die? I want to die. So is go kill yourself on the list? No, but That's I think you have to uh, extrapolate That's, some of these. Yeah, that, that go kill yourself is definitely off limits. Yeah. yeah. Any mention of death, I think, is bad. It's a microaggression, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's so gay, as you predicted, that that phrase perpetuates homophobia. That's retarded. Mm-hmm. Gypped and Jewed. Tranny. That test raped me. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what you're really outlawing here is hyperbole. You can't exaggerate anymore? I mean, we know that a, a test <laughs> didn't come to life. In fact, if a test raped you, the sexual violation is the least shocking part of that. The yeah. fact that inanimate objects can spring to life. Well, it, and you're also admitting that rape is, uh, is a crime, at least. You know, you're saying that it's something bad. Yeah. You know, because if you say that, ta- that, that, 
that test raped me, you're saying that it had you know, an ill effect on me, that it, it maybe, you know, it's it, a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing that happened to me that will, that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. Exactly what the take back the night, uh, club on campus right. is saying about rape, that it's serious. That it's not something to be, uh, that's not something frivolous. It's like when, uh, someone said, uh, my friend Leslie, when she was in India, she kept saying, oh my God, I basically have AIDS right now. Every time she got diarrhea, which in India is every day. That's good. Because you're saying AIDS is bad, and if I have AIDS, I want it to be known that this is a bad disease and we need more funding. <laughs> if this is not a common cold that I have. Yeah, so the, 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 what problem is the University of Michigan going to eradicate by uh, banning these uh, flippant uses of these words? Um... They're not going to... Well, here, it's all money, right? And what they're saying is, if you're a fucking total wimp, you can come to our school. You'll feel totally safe. So give us your money. Um, we will make sure no one hurts your feelings. So, hey, fat fatties, ugly people, wimps, we need your money too. Get in here. Uh-huh. And, well, you know, also, the thing is that you've got the people on the cutting edge, the most snobby... Uh, of the liberal arts colleges, say, you know, your, uh, uh, I don't know what these places are, the little, you know, the, the kind of, the little, what's the, the classic, you know, like the, the uh, uh, you know, like Lena Dunham's college. What's the name of that one? Oberlin. Yeah, okay, like the Oberlins, the Canyons, whatever. These Hampshire kind of College is another right. doozy. They are the ones on the cutting edge of, you know, banning words and, and sensitivity and all this other stuff like that. So I feel like if you have a kind of a, you know, a, a middling college, you know, the way, you know, you want to join up with those, with, with those colleges. Like it, it, it's almost a badge of honor. You oh, know, I see what you're saying. Yeah. To, you know, to, to be taken as a serious college. Like, look, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of goofy in the politically correct realm as well, just like Oberlin is, you know? So I feel like it's, it's a way to kind of like almost flex their, their liberal arts, uh, muscle. Um, you but, know what, what's happening right now, Tom? What? We're getting to the bottom of something. Yeah. Are, but are we, Gavin? There's no, there's no one here to counterbalance our, our old-fashioned point of view. What about Stuart Lee, that brilliant comedian from uh, Great Britain? You know, I was watching a routine of his the other day, and uh, you know, he was making fun of us, Gavin. He was saying, you know, because he's he really is a brilliant comic. I've I've seen him. Uh, I, I went to see him when I was in Scotland. I saw him twice. Yes, you know, I'm familiar with him. He has a great bit on Braveheart and how they yeah. threw the princess in the story. <laughs> but the princess was four when <laughs> yeah, exactly. Braveheart was around. And he's saying, I wouldn't put it past him yeah. to fuck a four-year-old. <laughs> People stormed out. Uh, but yeah, he's got, he, he's, he is a, he's brilliant and everyone should go look at his stuff, okay? But he had this routine where he was kind of, uh, you know, he was saying, you know, what is political correctness? But... Uh, but just being nice, you know, just being conscientious. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. You know, he's ma making fun of us. He's saying, it's just, uh, it's just conscientiousness, isn't it? It's just being cognizant of other cultures and the way other people feel. Oh, that's terrible. You know, like, he really was, and, and you, you, you look at it and you think, like, okay, now that's his take on it. He is, he is saying, what is your problem, Gavin? What the hell? Why do you have a bug up your ass over over these words. They're saying words matter and you're saying they don't matter, but obviously they do matter to you because that's all you talk about. <laughs> well, I'll explain it to you. The reason that the, this campaign uh, is banning raghead 
And Stuart would say, what's your problem? You don't, you just have to say raghead? You just need to? And my response to that is, no, I'm not saying raghead. Nobody is. <laughs> no one, no <laughs> one says raghead. I'm they really sick don't. of all this money being spent and all this time being allowed and all these jobs, all these people getting fired based on this looming specter of racism and homophobia and transphobia and Islamophobia and cisgenderism. All this time, energy, money, jobs, energy is being flushed down the toilet based on this myth that everyone is out there screaming these words. But is it being flushed down the toilet? Is there a, you know, there's a little, obviously there's a mini economy that re revolves around this, right? Yeah, you a know, terrible, like you said, terrible economy. There's a printer in Michigan that would argue that his, his economy is improved by this. Yeah, that's a fake job. It is? Okay. Yeah, you know, they say Christmas is, is terrible for the economy because it devalues the value of things. You're buying a gift someone doesn't want. That's not good economics. Good economics is build a better mousetrap, people buy it. Uh -huh. So economists don't really like Christmas. They think it's fake. Uh -huh. It's bad money. And this is bad money. And jobs are lost. I mean, look at the... Do you want me to list them all? 2015 and 2014 have been particularly bad months for free speech. Uh, we had Charlie Hebdo, right? Mm. But we also had... Before that, we had the, the Clippers guy losing his, his entire basketball franchise for what he said on the phone to someone. <laughs> yes. Uh, his black mistress, who was also racist. And by the way, just to go down that rabbit hole, he said, I don't mind if you fuck them. Just don't bring them to the games. Don't flaunt the fact that you're screwing other guys on the television and have them sit in my seat. <laughs> yeah. Because that's well, embarrassing. Well, plus he was. This was a pri this is a private uh, conversation, right? And so we used to demand that people. We all knew that everyone was, you know, being racist in private, right? We all knew that there was people saying things in in private, and then. But as long as you in public, you comported yourself uh, in a certain way that you were okay. But now it's moved to the private sphere. So what you know, uh, what good is is what good is it for that guy to be publicly? To, to speak correctly in public when his private conversations get him fired. Like, it doesn't do any good. You know, you used to be able to kind of misbehave. As long as you kind of, you know, you cleaned it up for the cameras, you know, you were given a pass. But if you're not anymore, what good is it to clean it up for the cameras? Well, the other thing going on here is there's this... People are misjudging your average Joe. I think blacks, particularly, are under the assumption that everyone uses... We all use the N-word. When we're alone. Now, I've hung out with some of the worst people in society, <laughs> some of the most controversial guys, racial realists, as they call themselves. They don't say that word. It's, I, I want to find one of these racists that we're spending all this money to f battle, this guy who says raghead. I want to find him and I want to put him in a box. And I want to analyze him. I well, wanna, he is in a box because the thing is, the Smithsonian. I mean, anyone who says raghead, you know, they're they're not going to have. There's there's no white people no around that are going to be No one wants to talk to you. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And if I was a Sikh and I had a turban on and I walked by someone and they said raghead, I'd go, what? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, yeah, I've been hearing about you people forever. But the uh, so that's why Stewart's wrong because. There is a culture here where they've taken this invisible bigot 
and declared war on him and wasted a lot of time and a lot of jobs and a lot of opportunities fighting this mythical beast. So you say this beast is a straw man. I do indeed. Mm -hmm. But to get back to what I was saying about we're getting to the bottom of it, Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to figure this out. Why are all funny guys liberals, right? And the the old trope, conservatives aren't funny. Uh, Well, A, I don't know if A is correct because... Actors are all liberals. Show business, people in you know the film industry, whatever, they're all liberals. They, you know, they're, they're obviously there's a, a there's kind of the right wing types, but they're all underground because they they want to work and there's a, there's a whole economy around this kind of liberalism, right? But comedians, now again, there's a majority of them are liberal, but there's a huge uh, there's a huge kind of conservative and or libertarian streak in the comedy world of stand up comics. Okay. Sort of. I mean, Doug Stanhope, David Tell. But when you think of like Louis C.K., even Bill Burr seems to, since he married that black woman, he seems to have gone away from the salt of the earth kind of guy. No, I think Clint he's always Eastwood. been the same. He's always had, you know, there's like guys like Bill Burr have been remarkably consistent through the years. Really? Yes. I found his most recent special was a little more PC. Well, he's always had, you know, He's always calls, he calls it as he sees it. And he, he has a kind of, you know, Dennis Leary was often like that too. Like they kind of like the angry Northeast. It's like a Northeast thing. They're angry Northeast liberals. So they, there is a great distrust of the, uh, of, of, of right wing stuff. And there's also a, there's a kind of a multiculturalism in their angry white guy routine. Yeah. He's always well, they're had mad it. at the church. Yeah. I think just because they had to go and it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> and they're mad at their dad for making them go. Yeah. Uh, they won't shut up about how evil nuns are and stuff like that. But uh, and maybe that's why they're so pro-immigration, because they know their dad didn't like Mexicans or something. Yeah, and I think that they—I don't know what, the, what that is, but I, I think that they have— you know, the reason Bill Burr is so fascinating is that he is— he really is politically incorrect in terms of gender stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about guy stuff, and it's like he has a lot of kind of uh, he has so much credibility because he's such a good comic, right? Right. And then so in the in the comedy world, it's like, oh, Bill Burr, look at him. He's like he's one of the best there is, right? But then when he says stuff, when he says some kind of guy stuff that is seen as by the kind of the Jezebel crowd, that he crosses lines with the Jezebel crowd. But they don't really they can't go after him. Like they they let him. They let him go. It's not like they, uh, you know, they agree with him, but he has such credibility that they don't want to. They don't want to go after him. You know what I mean? In the right. way that, well, uh, Louis C.K. is the same way. He, Louis C.K. had a bit about rape, about how uh, some girl wanted him to rape her, uh-huh. uh, and she would say no, but she didn't mean no. Yeah, uh, he didn't end up doing it, but you can just see if it was someone else, like. Dove Charney or Terry Richardson saying anything close to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have been pilloried. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot of credibility with the, you know, but it's like part of it is artistic, you know, because in the world of stand-up, they're like, Louis, Louis, he's the, you know. Oh, remember, though, he did a thing about fat chicks on his show. Yes. He wanted to, uh, he went on a date with a fat chick and then didn't want to fuck her anymore. Yeah. And he wrote it all, of course, which is another thing I want to get to. Um, But he got in shit for that. Jezebel abandoned Louis' ship 
On oh, that they one. did. Yes, it's interesting because I thought I just I only saw a lot of feminist praise for that. No, they they don't tell fat fat woman how to feel, Louis. Uh huh. Yeah, of course. They were mad about that. You can't you can't win with fat chicks. Oh, I mean, or, or what I think I think you can't win with uh, with people if the gender is the only issue. Then they're you know they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be on top of that. It's unattractive women are in really bad moods. <laughs> really? And lesbians are often in very bad moods. Wait a minute. You think? I don't know. What, because uh, they don't get laid. Uh, I don't know if that's true, Gavin. Which part? I mean, I've, you know, there's a lot of really fun gals, you know? who. who... Then they're at the beginning of their relationship, and that's a brief epoch before lesbian bed death sets in. And they get grumpy. Wait a minute. I know a lot of hot-looking girls. You know, they look like they should be cheerleaders for the for the Dallas Cowboys. And they're very, uh, you know, they're very tough to be around. You know, they're very, the, one might call them bitchy if they, if they were to, you know, use words like that. And then you have some other girls who are, you know, overweight and we hang out and drink pints of beer and we're having a great time. So I don't know if I go into your, uh, um, you know. Well, it's like all, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslim these days. Uh, not all ugly women are bitchy, but all bitchy women are ugly. <laughs> what about those cheerleaders I just told you about? I don't believe you. All beautiful women are in a great mood. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got so many unturned stones here. I, I fear we might not get to the bottom of everything because I still have this college thing to say. But you just brought up another thing that I want to get to the bottom of. I realized this last night. I was watching the movie um, Support Your Local Sheriff with James Garner. Oh, yeah. Great one. And there's a scene in it where this lady gets up in the courtroom and she's not having it. And I demand I get some respect here. And they're all going, what in the tarnation? (laughs) And I'm a lady and a lady's got to do what a lady's got to do. And she explains to the courtroom that she matters and they all go, oh, okay. And... You know, you're watching it and you realize, men wrote this. Mm -hmm. A man sat and typed that out. A man found her in casting and said, you'd be perfect for that part I wrote where this chick ain't having it anymore. Yeah. Um, And uh, then I realized, that's feminism. I mean, men, before feminism, even the suffragists, before women could vote, men wanted to make domestic abuse a capital offense. Men invented the whole idea of domestic abuse being evil. No one was more against domestic abuse than men back in the 20s and 30s, Mm -hmm. right? I think we created this feminist stalwart. I mean, take girls just want to have fun. I am woman, hear me roar. Even redneck woman, you know that song? I'm sitting on a porch with a baby yeah. on my hip. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, there's a line in there. She's like, Victoria's Secret. Well, their stuff's real nice, but I can get the same damn shit at the Walmart <laughs> store half price and be sexy, just as sexy. <laughs> That's written by a dude. Uh-huh. I think it's Rich. You know that Rich and the other guy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, huge country star. And when you think about it, this, so, ho- this whole idea of like, God damn it, these are my rights, and I can be sexy at Walmart for half price, and I'm a woman. Hear me roar like a lion. I'm a Tomb Raider. I've got guns on my hip. Yeah, I'm a kick-ass chick. That's male values. Yes. It's not really in a woman's makeup. Uh, 
Okay, so where where is it? Where are we going with this? Because <laughs> well, Jezebel are like dominatrixes. They are uh, paid. They are created by men to feel like they're the boss, and it's a role we gave them. They're almost like minstrels. It's a role we gave them because we like it. We think it's cool. Men secretly enjoy feminism, especially when it starts to, it leads to free love for men, getting well, the great slut benefit. walks. Yeah. You should be able to take your shirt off in the park, ladies. Well, you should be able to show your tits to me. I mean, even if you go with the, the standard, the standard kind of like, uh, you know, the, the our bodies, ourselves, feminism, which was kind of all around me when I went through college, you know, uh, it is, you know, it's basically a story of like birth control, you know, the, the, right. the, the, the beginning of the birth control movement where, you know, women were, uh, they were out of the constraints of family and they were controlling their reproduction and they were controlling their lives and everything like that. So that's where that, that kind of feminism all came from there. And it was just like a huge party for men, you know, like when I was in college, they were the first beneficiaries of this kind of you know, the, the, that feminist wave of like guys just being able to just have sex with whatever yeah. women they wanted without any kind of consequence. So there, it was a great, a great boon for men. Feminism was a great boon for men because it, it was, it allowed them to become the libertines that they are today. It extended men's adolescence, which used to end abruptly when they were about 18 years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, right, when they got married. It extended it now to 48. Oh, yeah. All my friends, I mean, my friends will send me pictures of the 20-year-olds they're fucking, and I feel sorry for them. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, I did that already. I know every detail of that life. Now I have the children in the family, and I wouldn't dare show you pictures of them, guys still fucking 20-year-olds, because I don't want to gloat. Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, so the question is, what... So if it's if it's if it's if it's benefited women if they are happy with with uh, the situation and men are satisfied with it is there any downside to it Gavin? Uh, women are miserable. Okay, as I've here gotten we in go. trouble for saying a million <laughs> times. Uh, studies have shown that feminism has been hard for women. They are working their asses off now. They've they don't you know. I talked to my brother who's much younger than me. He's fourteen years younger than me. Not one of his female friends cooks. of the couples he knows, the man cooks. And I remember when I would screw broads, I would go to their apartments, and without exception, they looked like a bomb hit them. (laughs) Irregardless of race, class, part of town we're in, it always looked like the FBI was just there looking for the Watergate tapes. (laughs) So not that cooking and cleaning defines a woman, but we've been chipping away at all these different things that they were good at, and we brought them into dude land where they play video games and fuck. And now I look at them at, in their late 30s and early 40s. Their ovaries have expired and they're fucking miserable. And I don't know how many times, not only do I get a lot of shit for saying that, but I also get women telling me that when, I, that when they read that article I wrote about that or they heard me say it, they cried. Now, if you call me a penguin, I don't cry. I go, I'm not a penguin. <laughs> but if you touch a nerve, I may cry. I just had, we did a sketch on the weekend. Uh, if men would run fashion, what women would look like. And they'd just be fat pigs with their tits hanging out. Because that's what we like. 
Um, and when I was trying to get, I knew all these ex-go-go dancers and stuff from my crazy days. I'm going through my black book. Hey, long time no see. And, and uh, two separate instances. One of them uh, said, um, when you wrote that thing about New York is an elephant's graveyard for ovaries, it made me cry. I don't know what your sketch is about, but I don't think I could handle the humor. This is a woman who was a go-go dancer. Her tits hanging out. Mm -hmm. And then another woman I asked said, yeah, when I read that, I called my mom and cried to her. Okay, so you're saying So I'm saying this stupid male-invented feminism has stripped women of everything they're good at, replaced it with nothing. It got them in the workforce, didn't reward them with anything. And here they are in pants doing a man's life, sucking his dick, getting dumped when she gets old, and living alone with her dog, whom she refers to as her baby, and screams mommy's home at it when she gets home. (laughs) But why? So what about the people who didn't cry when they read your article, when they said, I disagree, Gavin. I work at a law firm and I have a great time. 7% of the population is my gut. That's your gut. Well, I know 7% of married couples choose not to have kids. So from that, I extrapolate 7% of people weren't meant to have kids. And no one's denying that women, there are women out there who are meant to be in a man's world and thrive. Barbara Corcoran comes to mind, and I used to always use her as an example, until I discovered that she spent a quarter of a million dollars on fertility drugs trying to get some kids out of her body. Uh-huh. And right. that sounds like an abortion. <laughs> trying, trying, trying to get them in. Getting kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I will say this, Gavin. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that uh, I don't know anyone as happy as the uh, the young Catholic moms that I know. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm around a lot of these Catholic families all the time. I mean, there is a, uh, there is, there is a, a maturity and a calm and a a, a wisdom and a happiness among these Catholic moms who are in their late 20s and they have a bunch of kids. I'm around these a lot, Gavin. I know for a fact that the editor of Jezebel, mulatto woman, I believe. Is that a, pr- a correct term? I don't f- give a shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> was at least once crying her eyes out to someone I know because she waited too late, her ovaries are dried up. And... It's not looking good for a family. Now, this is their top brass, and even she is miserable. You can't have it all. I mean, if, if it's easier for people to digest, just look that up. Can a lady have it all? Can she have a career and a family? That's sort of the saccharine version of what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And that's there's plenty on there. New York Times Magazine cover story. I mean, even the left has conceded that. What about The Good Wife? Did you ever watch that show? Uh, the Good Wife is propaganda preparing us for Hillary. <laughs> Wait a minute. I haven't even thought That's about it. That's female TV executives who are miserable, by it's the a, way, it's a trying couple to brainwash that, us. It's a married couple that writes agenda. I think it's a great show, though, but it's interesting. She, no, you don't. I don't? No. I watch it all the I'm time. I'm denying your emotions. I mean, Sorry. I, Go ahead. I, I, there's a lot of things going on in there, you know, but I, I like her. I, I think she's great. She ha- had a family and then she kind of went and maybe that's the... This maybe is the character? Fictional? Yeah, the character. I'm, she, she, <laughs> she has kids. Some woman can have it all. I know of a fictional the character who can have it yeah. all. Well, no, the, the reason is she was, a, she was a wife and a mother. She left her career to raise kids. And then when they got to be, they're all like, they're, they're in like high school. They're grown kids now. Then she goes back in and uh, she's, you know, she's having all this wonderful dr- drama. You no, know, I mean, I had a big fight with my wife about this the other night, and 
I'm obviously not against that. What are you going to do when the kids are at school all day, especially yeah, yeah. when they go away to boarding school or college or something? Mm-hmm. And to that I say, what's the matter with your community? You know, it used to be there would be women would handle things like getting a stop sign there to hire, firing an incompetent teacher to not having the street named after a pedophile from the 15th century to bake sales to <laughs> what's to your job? Bouncing I make sure no streets are named after pedophiles. <laughs> That's my division. <laughs> my mom did that. <laughs> did? Yes. Okay. It was like the Earl of March and he was a disgusting pervert and she got to change to Waterbend Lane. <laughs> but but and, and that sounds trivial and it sounds insulting, but there's pretty fancy stuff you can do as far as your local community, including local politicians. I think local politics is way more relevant than federal politics. You're not going to decide what president there is, but you can affect who your local counselor is. I know. And why is it that when we go into those council meetings, it's all a bunch of guys in there? I mean, it could, it's always like, you know, the town council and the, uh, I guess it, it, I guess it isn't. It, we've stripped women of those. I bet there was more women back in the 60s and 70s at those things. Yeah, it probably was all women because the guys had, uh, you know, they, they all worked work. for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so we've got that stone covered now. Men invented feminism to get more blowjobs, and women fell for it. And I feel sorry for them, because it didn't work out. And, by the way, another analogy I feel like to women... prove that is cults. They, they're all about freedom and love and it's really escaping about a guy. traditionalism. No. And there was one cult, one cult, that promoted monogamy. And there's a movie about it, a documentary on Netflix. I think they're called The Summer Cult or something. Um... And even that guy said, well, no, actually you can, you can have a lot of wives. In fact, I can have yours and yours and yours. <laughs> and with that exception, they're like that. No, there's no cult started where the guy says, you should always be monogamous. And if you're single, you should eat out chicks, old ladies who are also single because they need stimulation. Never. It's always about him getting BJs. And that's what feminism is. It's a giant blowjob cult. Well, you know, I might agree. You said that men invented. I mean, I think I feel like it was women came up with it and guys were like, all right. Like the guys are like, you know, guys have gone along with it because they're like, all right, if you want that, that's fine with me. Like they are going to, guys are going to get what they want and they have gotten. So it's, guys are very simple. They're kind of like, oh, you want to do that? It's like, all right, you want, oh, you want to be a vice president? All right. I'm, I mean, I'm still going to, I'm still going to have sex with you. Like the yeah. guys are like. Guys will do whatever they want, whatever they can to get laid. If women were into clowns, we would buy little red noses. And yeah. Like, How's this? Yeah. And so now they're kind of like, they, they. They've, they've taken they've taken all the fringe benefits from it, but they haven't given anything back. And then as a result, you kind of get this, uh, you kind of get these guys who, uh, you know, like the like the men's rights guys, and they're all like, it's not right, and they're, they're we went kinda, too far. Yeah, well, they we didn't mean you to do all this shit. They also have this thing of the men's rights guys end up buying into this this kind of feminist angle that like. Well, why do women, why should women be the primary, uh, you know, uh, get primary custody? Why should women be the default caregiver? And it's like, I actually, like, I say to the men's rights guys, yeah, well, of course they should. (laughs) You know, of course they should be the default. You know what I mean? That's one thing that guys have to... No, but the men's rights guys, I think, are saying, it's already broken. You want to be equal to us. Right. But you still get all the good stuff about traditionalism. Yes. And we're both saying, traditionalism traditionalism was great. Why'd you wreck it? But men's rights guys are saying it's already wrecked, so now you're playing with the big boys. You got to play with the big boys. I get it. Yeah. But to go back to what you're saying, I disagree with you. And granted, this theory is only 12 hours old, and I came up with it last night drunk <laughs> watching a cowboy movie. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> but 
I'm not saying that men went, yeah, okay, you want to go vote? Uh, okay, just don't fight me. I'm saying that men said, Get out, you should want to vote. What do you do? You, you sit around here, you, you let people walk all over, you get out there, say, I need to vote. And go, call yourself a suffragette or something and get out there. I'll make the signs. <laughs> you should really, you know what? You're right. I should say, yes. Tell them to fuck off if they have a problem. <gasps> I should swear. Yes. Stand up on your desk and say, we want a union. What's a union? It's like a group of guys, I mean, a group of gals getting together. Okay. All right. I'm going to do, you are a woman. Let me repeat after me. I am woman. I am woman. Hear okay, me wait. roar. But why? Why did they do this, these guys? Because that's what guys are like. They, everyone thinks what they like, other people should try. You're always fucking throwing coffee down my throat. <laughs> exactly. It does so make you men like go, I feel empowered when I don't let people boss me around. Get you do that. Well, who are these historical guys then? Husbands. Oh, stay home, woman. I want to, uh, you know, a woman's place is in the home. Where are all these guys? You're that's a myth. It is? Yes. They're saying, if they do, if you have them, if you if you have them on tape saying that, then what they mean is, uh, women would seem to be doing fine at home. Why why uh, why rock that boat? And it, uh, by the way, I'm leaping all over the place here, but yeah. another piece of evidence I have that women in the workforce uh, don't feel comfortable there, and don't really belong. Seven percent do, ninety three percent don't. Is the way they talk. It's laced with insecurity. Like, if you ever see a white guy, like white basketball players in college, they're all around black dudes, and they get these mannerisms. Like, basically, what I'm trying to do right now is just do me. You know what I'm saying? They mm -hmm. speak in Ebonics because they're uncomfortable. And women do it. Uh, they don't feign male mannerisms, but they have this interrogative tone at the end with this upspeak. Mm -hmm. And they use like, especially women in New York, use like every three words. So I'm like... <laughs> they even like end sentences with it like <laughs> uh, like and then they'll, they'll just be like i don't know like at like a meeting or something they'll be like maybe we could have like uh the guy holding the soup can is sort of like hey or no i don't know no i'm just looking at them going you are so insecure you know you're not supposed to be here but don't you think you go into an ad agency? You see these women that are like law, a law firm, an ad agency. They 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 uh, they have such a skill set in certain areas. Aren't women better at uh, certain things? Yes. Okay. So, but well, let's stop. Let's stop our, the presses here. Sorry to interrupt you, but to be clear, idiots at home, mm -hmm. when we talk about swaths of people, yeah, the individual is meaningless. Irish tend to get ornery when they've had some whiskey. Yeah. That does not mean that every single Irish person is a horrible drunk. It does not mean that when you see an Irish person, you should assume that they're going to be ornery when it comes to the whiskey. Mm -hmm. But as Richard Nixon himself said, I've never met an Irishman who didn't get mean after some whiskey, <laughs> particularly the real Irish. So anyway, back to women's skill set. That the the no, I do want to. I want to. Uh, I want to make broad generalizations about women in that yes. they are better at Good. 
They're better at relationships. They're better at micromanaging. They make good secretaries. They make good line producers. They're great in marketing jobs. They're great at remembering little details. They're basically good at hunting small game near the cave. Uh -huh. The men are good at going out and getting the bison. Okay, yeah. So like when mammoth. you have... And that it shows up in business But when you today. have to merge a company, one big company, this is like, you know, the economy now is, is not uh, a lot of big game. It's a lot of small game. So one company has to merge with another. Uh, you know, the, the, you, if it were all guys, they'd just be fighting with it. Women go no, in, they're the way good that at relationships. Works, ideally, if we're talking about millions of people, the men do the handshake deal. All right, so this is how it's going to go. We'll merge. Uh, we'll supply you guys with grapple grommets, and then every third quarter we reevaluate. But I'm thinking we get maybe 10% shares in your company in exchange, and we get a cut of every uh, contract we bring you. Uh -huh. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I'll have my women hammer it out. <laughs> and then a woman sits here. I mean, I just sold a company. I was signing PDFs for three days, and it was a woman, a, a business lawyer, saying, no, 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 you have to put your tax ID number in the top. And then you didn't sign page four. Okay, no problem, Miss Little Details. <laughs> now, we need more big bison people in the economy than we need little ladies. And those ladies shouldn't have kids at home. If it's unconscionable that women work when they have kids at home. And they need the money? No, you don't need the fucking money. A dude is already paying for his apartment. So there's a chick in his bed. That's not more expensive. It's just more groceries. My wife wonders, uh, you know, she's full time with the kids, right? But she's always like, you know what? These kids with the uh, with the, the nannies, with the both parents working, she says, I think they're better. I think they have. She thinks. Now I say, listen, uh, you're doing everything right. I always reassure her that she's she's got the ideal life. Our kids have the ideal life. But she seems to think that there's an independence to these other kids that have oh, been taken care of. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. That they have. Uh, you know, they're not, they're, they're... they're well, that's like saying they're tougher because their lives are shittier. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, she's saying that there, there's a, there's a forced, uh, there's a forced level of, um, they have to be familiar with these, these, uh, with the daycare. Shitty things that suck. With the daycare, <laughs> with the, you know, that it, that it socializes them better for the, the world that we're yeah, in. But you see these nannies, mm -hmm. especially when they're, uh, immigrant nannies like Filipino or Jamaican, they're just serving, to, they're like security guards. They walk behind the kids. They hold their stuff. They don't engage them. They're they're slaves, basically. It's not a good <laughs> lesson to teach kids that they have someone waiting on them hand and foot. And when these women go out in the workforce, now they're paying this woman 40 grand a year to be the slave. By the way, that woman's not with her kids half the time, especially if they're Southeast Asian. She's left her kids in the Philippines. Did you ever see this You website? outsource love. You stole love from a third world country. But, but then... This woman's out there. She's making 80 grand, right? 40 of it goes to the nanny. The other 40 uh, puts them in a new tax bracket, and now they're getting taxed at almost 50%. So now she's down to like 10 grand a year. Thanks for coming out, bitch. <laughs> you know, this goes to our... Uh, do you ever see that website, uh, isawyournanny.com, I think it is? Something like that. It's like some website, I saw your nanny. Right. And it's just mom's taking pictures of sleeping nannies with the kids oh, like, God. you know, They're kids in danger, kids in danger and the nannies ignoring them and they pop the picture up there and parents see their own nanny on isawyournanny.com. It's amazing. Uh, but uh, you almost started into uh, another subject, which I don't know if is on your agenda, which uh, was the, how it doesn't help to be rich. Yes, that is a fascinating subject, but 
I thought an hour would be good because we get to the bottom of things. We have barely scratched the surface here, and we only have 10 minutes left. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I'm wrong about podcasts. They all have to be longer. Well, to get back, I didn't even get to this the this thing about the N-word never being included in these words you can't say because it's so unthinkably horrible oh, that yeah. people can't bring themselves to type it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, raghead you can write because yeah. you've never heard it. But, mm-hmm. Right. Wait, well, let me just say it. Yeah. No, well, if they wrote a list, if they wrote a list of bad words and then they wrote N word on the list, then the, ra- the I was about to say the ragheads, but then the <laughs> then people who find raghead offensive would be like, why didn't you say our word for mine? Mine's pretty like yeah, mine's it makes that. it a, a B level. I have a problem with you having raghead spelled out yet nigger. <laughs> Just gets the first letter. It's well, we tried our word and people thought rape. <laughs> exactly. We've got too many word. We've got too many dash words. But anyway, the thing I was going to say is, uh, why are artists and comedians and artsy fartsy types all liberal and conservatives aren't? This is why. Conservatives have rules. Oh, you're an artist. Can you do photorealism? No, I just put a tampon in a teacup. You're not an artist. The left has this anything goes island of misfit toys. I don't care if you're nuts, you're part of us. Mental illness is perfectly natural. So they end up with all the loonies, the shit stains, the fucking pathetic artists. They have some smart dudes, but they also have all the garbage. And they have a much wider group too. Now, this links to colleges. If you're an institution that gets paid per head, do you want this little group of high standard people that think you're not an artist if you can't do photorealism? Or do you want this never-ending pool of fucktards? <laughs> so that's that- why colleges are embracing this PC stuff because it's a much bigger market. These idiots who are offended by the word raghead or think it exists, that's way more people than this rational, normal guy. Uh, well, how many more is it? Millions. Look at courses. Shit, when I was at college in the early 90s, there was philosophy of love, philosophy of self. Our professor in philosophy was the head of the Canadian Communist Party who told me it's okay to have an abortion up until a year after the baby is born. Uh-huh. That was 1992. Yeah. It's gotten 50 times more insane then. That was a good... I wasn't at some weird Hampshire college. I was at a normal university. Well, why do you said you described liberals as kind of an anything goes, right? But, but is it? I mean, don't you have uh, liberals who are who are aesthetic uh, purists? You know, they're very uh, that that you know that it's not anything goes. They have they have a they have strict rules about uh, you know they have their own rules. They're just different. They have one rule: white males suck. (laughs) And why? Why is that? Because it reminds them of their dad and how disappointed he is that they have a degree in philosophy of love. But why, Gavin, you haven't answered my question about why artists, let's go right with artists. Let's go with like fine artists and, uh, you know, people who are just dealing like expression and, you know, maybe music and, you know, whatever. Okay, They're total creative types. Why do they subscribe to liberalism? They're the classic individuals. Why did they, why does someone... Who wants their own vision for a, on a canvas or uh, you know on a, you know writing music? They are so into their individual expression. Why do they want the government in control of their health care from from the time that they're an, you know? 
It's a an baby unfortunate to- side effect of their agenda, which was, I hate my dad. He's disappointed in me. I hate everything he represents. So what does he hate? He hates a tampon in a teacup. Cool. That's my thing now. And then they chose all this stupid crap, like modern dance. And while they were re- rebelling against their dad, who hates tax, they inadvertently became pro-government. And then they thought, oh, shit. So it was just an error. It's an error. Like, we got a cool black guy in the present. He plays basketball, and he does stuff like drops a mic, and he goes like that. He also wants bit more big government. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so they don't wait a minute. I want to try to give them the respect that, that they're due. I can't just write them off like that. There's got to be some artist who pauses when he's doing a painting, and they think about it, and they say, like, yeah, I guess, you know. I, I, they must have a rationalization no. to it. Here's another problem with the free market for them. The free market's about quality. You don't get your s- ridiculous sculpture of a bent rectangle in front of City Hall for $3 million with the free market. You need corruption. You need incompetence. You need bureaucracy to get your crappy sculpture paid for by the city. In Canada, there's they throw out grants to anyone who farts. Well, that's why I feel like, Gavis, look, if you are an artist and you don't subscribe to the liberal line you are a millionaire like you're either gavin mckinnis or you're marcus is marcus dobby still around remember like Kastabi world like these guys who are not you know that, that that have any streak of conservatism in them they make millions because they're able to create markets immediately you know what i'm saying yeah i never thought of that i mean think of these people who, uh, you know, and the art world ends up hating them because they're like, oh, look at those guys. You know, that uh, they, if you have any sense of entrepreneurship and you're a, an artist, there's no reason why you're not hanging in every, you know, your paintings aren't in every law firm in the city because all it takes is a little. You're bit right. Of- you're right. You know what they do? I just learned about this. They will, these Wall Street piranhas, will find an artist who has a pretty mediocre catalog. They'll start bidding on his crap. First, they'll buy his whole back catalog. Then they'll start bidding on his crap and getting it up to $500,000 with their own money, competing Uh with each other, make a false value, sell all these paintings, and they'll get rich, and the artist will get rich. That's what happens when the free market... And then they just dump them. I said the other day... It happened to Richard Prince. Oh, it did. I said the other day to my wife, I said, why doesn't someone just do that? Like, if I were super wealthy... I would just find an unknown artist and I would just like start buying his stuff. That's you what can't... happens. Yeah. We solved it. Yeah, that's Let's that's just go done. over what we've done here. We've solved feminism, discovered its roots and where it went awry. We've solved why artists and funny people tend to be liberal and the accidents it causes. <laughs> we've solved why schools uh, push this PC crap. And we've solved why... Stuart Lee is wrong for criticizing us for bitching about PC. Yeah, although I, I think he's a, you know, he's worthy of, he's worth a look, Stuart Lee. Oh, definitely. The guy's a genius. I yeah, love him. He's brilliant. He's Scottish. He is Scottish. As yeah. you can tell by the first name, Stuart Lee. As the Scots like to say, who's like us? <laughs> Damn few and they're all did. <laughs> they should. Well, the, I think entry level for Stuart Lee is his bit on if you do a Google search for Stuart Lee Top Gear. Oh, because right. I he love hates Top those Gear. Guys. I love Top Gear and I love those guys because to me, they're just 
uh, they have a lot of insouciant energy, and uh, and they are they're 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 uh, charmingly politically incorrect. You know, Stuart Lee hates them, and he does this uh, convincing half-hour rant against how much he hate you know against the Top Gear guys, uh, in which he wishes death upon them. Yes, and it's it's brilliant. Yes, he says it's not a metaphor, and then Bobcat Goldthwait's movie God Bless America also has that same rant against. Uh, people who claim to like free speech and then say homophobic things or whatever. And they both, in both cases, Stewart's case and Bobcat's case, uh, are very eloquent, are pretty much on point, but they pretend that free speech isn't in danger. And they cite the lack of government persecution of people who offend them, which isn't even true. The guy who did the Muhammad video went to jail. The the guy who... Uh, Dinesh D'Souza went to jail for embarrassing Obama. But anyway, the government is good at free speech. But what's crucial here is the culture. Free speech isn't just the government. The people shouldn't be censoring other people. And in this day and age, people like myself are getting fired for offending someone. And that is the culture violating the First Amendment. So that's where those guys are wrong. Well, can't the culture violate the First Amendment, though? As, As probably, you know, was written about you. They say, Gavin, this is the free market. You're free to say that's, whatever you want, a, and we're free no. to destroy your life, that's Gavin. St- if your ex-girlfriend keeps showing up to all your jobs and running through the front window with mascara streaming down her face and going, payback's a bitch, isn't it, Raj? <laughs> Eventually, the boss is going to say, dude, you're a great lawyer, but uh, we can't keep replacing this window pane. <laughs> we're going to have to let you go. That bitch is insane. <laughs> That's not freedom. Uh-huh. I understand. That's a good point. That's a wonderful metaphor as well. Being stalked by the mentally ill. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to end on that note with you complimenting me and me not conceding anything. <laughs> I have conceded earlier, but I don't want to end on that. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks for coming, Tom. My pleasure.